Good morning and welcome uh, to our guests. My name is Craig. Uh, I wish I could be with you. I'm the, the preaching pastor. Uh, I am with you in spirit and I'm probably with you online as well, but I'm glad that you're with us uh, this Sunday. And I hope you'll come back next Sunday. I'd love to have an opportunity to meet you uh, and get to know you a little bit. Uh, we are in a series we've been uh, calling Joseph, and it's just kind of all about the life uh, of Joseph and, and the person and, and how he follows God through a bunch of different difficult circumstances. Uh, and so I want to do a little bit of a review before we kick in uh, to what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today about the story. But before we get into that, just a reminder, um, the, the, the first story was that, that, that Joseph grew up in such a dysfunctional home. And so we kind of ended up saying, God has not chosen you because you have it all together. Praise God. Amen. Not because we have it all together. Maybe he chose you because you don't have it together and he wants to show what he can do with so little. Uh, that is encouraging to me. Uh, God didn't choose me because I was the most talented person. He chose me because he wanted to work in me and work through me and the same is true uh, for you as well. And then we also talked about the idea that the only thing Joseph had going for him was his willingness. He was willing to keep following God despite all the circumstances. And you're going to see that as we continue through uh, this series. Um, and then last week uh, we did uh, a, a kind of a different sort of one that, that answered the question, what do you do when God betrays you? What do you do when it feels like God doesn't come through on what he said he would come through on? What do you do when you're in that place where you, you just, you're just frustrated with God and the situation? And we kind of shared out of that this idea of I trust God. And we did the hashtag I trust God. Thank you. So many of you marked that on Facebook pages and Instagram pages. Uh, and then we had the, the sheets down here and people put those in the bucket. And uh, at the time of this video, I haven't yet had a chance to get through all of those, but I will continue to pray through all of every one of those and then I'll burn them kind of as an offering uh, to, to Christ. Um, so today uh, we want to talk about um, a pretty famous story about uh, Joseph and Potiphar uh, and often Potiphar's wife. How many of you have heard that story? Yep, everybody's heard that story at some point. And we tend to think about it as a story about Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Uh, but, but this is a really interesting sort of thing that's going on. Um, when I was first thinking about this series, I like to, to listen to the Scripture. Uh, and there are Bible apps that will actually read the Scripture to you. I'm an audio learner, and so for me to get that big picture, that's really, really helpful. And so when I first started into this at, at night, I uh, kind of laid my phone down and started it on chapter 37, which is the very beginning of the story that we kind of talked about. And I just turned it on and let it play. I was just going to kind of listen through the whole story uh, of, of Joseph. And, and it did the traditional stuff about the brothers and, and then he gets cast into slavery and then that last line in 37 about he ended up in Potiphar's house. Uh, and then, then the next thing I expected was the story of, of Joseph in Potiphar's house. But instead, this crazy thing came on my, my, my app that started in the story of, about uh, uh, Judah and Tamar. Hey, Judah and Tamar. Hey, how many of you know who Judah and Tamar are? You know, it's like, I, in fact, it was so crazy, I thought something was broken on my phone because I thought, That's, this is supposed to be about Joseph, you know? So I picked it up and I looked at it and I backed it up and tried it again and it did it again. And, and then I, I ended up look, looking at the scripture and sure enough, chapter 37 is about Joseph, but chapter 38 is about Judah and Tamar. And I thought, that why, why in the world did this get thrown in the midst of it? And it took me a while to kind of grapple with that because I, I want to 
I want you to get a hold of a, a, a scriptural interpretation thing here. And that is that we believe not only are the stories important, but the placement of the stories are important. That God had a hand in that. And so right between the end of Joseph in slavery and then Joseph uh, having the encounter with uh, Potiphar's wife is this story about Judah and Tamar. And it's an important reason, there's an important placement for that. And so I want to cover that a little bit before we kind of jump into this because I think it'll help us understand the next story. So let me just, let me just give you real quickly this, this story. Judah, you'll remember, is the older brother of Joseph who, who actually was the one who sold him into slavery rather than, than having him executed. And, and, and Judah has uh, some sons and he has wicked sons. And the oldest son married a woman by the name of Tamar, but, but then he died. In fact, it said he was so wicked that God took his life. Uh, and, and Tamar was left without resources and without station in life. And so in Jewish culture, then the next oldest brother would be required to marry that woman so, and raise up sons to God so that she could do that. And the next oldest son was as wicked as the first one. And he died as well. And, and so uh, Tamar should go to the next oldest son and all of that. And about this time, Judah said, whoa, 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 you're killing off my sons here. You know, it ain't no good. You know, and so he did something very, very wicked. He just simply withdrew her from that and said, you're just going to remain a widow in our, in our house, which would leave her with no station in life and no resources and no position and in deep shame, uh, actually, in all of that. And then the story kind of stops there and then it goes off and it talks about Judah, who, who goes off to a land and, and he's out and about and, and he comes across a, a prostitute in a tent beside the road, you know. And he says, ah, hey, you know. And so he goes into her and they do what they do in those kinds of relationships and he didn't have the money to pay her. So, so she made him leave uh, with her some personal items of, of Judas uh, and said, well, you go get money and come back and you can, you can pay me. And so when Judah sends the people back to, to pay her, uh, she's not there. She's gone, you know, and that kind of pause that story. And then the next thing picks up is Judah finds out that Tamar is pregnant. And he's like, she doesn't have a husband. This means she's committed adultery. Time to stone the woman. Woohoo! we're going to solve our little problem with Tamar here, right? So it calls her in and he lets her have it and yada-da-da-da and passes judgment on her. And she says to him, I am pregnant by the man who owns these things and shows Judah his stuff. And Judah is caught, right? You know, and so all of a sudden Judah at least had enough sense to realize you're more righteous than me. And he spares her life uh, and brings her into the family and confesses his sin. Um, and so there's, there's a couple important lessons that, that I think in Scripture we need to get because they're not always real obvious to us. And, and in the Church of the Nazarene, we have always regarded women as equal to men. They've always been able to be preachers, all of those sorts of things. But here's one of the important things out of this, this lesson, and that's this. God has never regarded women as second class. This is a story where God stands up for a woman who's being done wrong. And he, he makes sure and takes care of her. And the culture of the time was deeply against women. They were property. See, they didn't get elevated all the way up to the same place as Judah, but God was watching out. God was saying, you listen, Judah, you, you do not treat, treat women like this. And so there's an important part of this uh, that, that, that they should be treated with righteousness in all of this. And, um, and so I, I think the reason this, this story is, is between, uh, between Joseph as a boy and Joseph with Potiphar is we're going to see how God reacts again in another situation where Joseph treats a woman with righteousness, right? And so there's this really cool positioning about how women are treated. Uh, and then the second thing that kind of comes out of this story is this. God requires men treat women with integrity. 
And he embarrassed the tar out of Judah. In fact, Judah could have been stoned for having gone into a prostitute. That's how bad it was in that moment. Uh, and so uh, e even a foreign woman, a woman that wasn't of, of covenant is the story in Joseph's sort of thing. And so um, e when, even when the cultural norms of the day give no power to women, God is watching out for them. Amen? That, that is just, that's, this is, it seems like this should be really straightforward, but that's why that story is positioned in that place. So let's get to verse, uh, Genesis 39, if you have your Bibles. Uh, and this is the story of Joseph, or, Joseph and Potiphar's wife. But actually, it's the story of Joseph and Potiphar and his family. And we, we get so hung up on this kind of salacious story at the end, right? Because it gets our attention that we skip the first part really, really quickly. Uh, so... Um, the story of, of chapter 37 ends with Joseph uh, as in Potiphar's house. And so I want to pick it up in 39 and have us uh, read this. Uh, uh, Genesis chapter 39 says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes, and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. And he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Say, everything he owned. This is an amazing sort of story. The, 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 the Joseph, who was the slave, actually becomes second only to Potiphar himself. And here's what that teaches us that's so wonderful. And that is this. God is with you in Potiphar's house. You know what Potiphar's house is? It's that place that God has put you, but you don't want to be there, right? And it, it, it's that place where it's like, what are you doing with me? And it feels like God has sidelined you, you know. And, and, and in this case, and, and for some of us, even it, life is going pretty good really for him. I mean, the highest slave and a high official lived a pretty good life in those days, you know. And he's got power and he's got resources uh, and, and, and he's, he's just with him. God is with you in Potiphar's house. Even when it seems like you aren't where God wants you to be. Even when it seems like God isn't fulfilling his promises and you seem to be sidetracked. God is with you when you're off course and delayed and all of those sorts of things. And this is an important principle for me. And you guys know this. You've heard this story. But, but when I got done with, with college, I was, thought I was going straight into seminary. God just really put a huge check in my life and said, stop. It's one of the few times, it's one of the most powerful times God has spoken to me. It was just, the longer I went, the more it was just clear that I was supposed to stop, I was supposed to stop, I was supposed to stop. And I thought God wasn't, I'd missed God's call in my life or I'd done something and God was taking the call away in my life. Uh, and I didn't know what to do. And the only thing, I'd worked in the grocery business through college and high school. And so I said, okay, I'm going back in the grocery business. And I went to work with Albertsons and my career took off and, and things were great. But, but during that time, it just, it just really felt like I was in Potiphar's house. I was, I was in Al Joe Albertson's house, but I was in Potiphar's house. I, 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 was, I was not where I thought I should be. I was, this is not what my calling was. This was not what my passion was. And yet, it was so clear from God that I was not supposed to be going on to seminary. I was not supposed to be doing all of those sorts of things, you know. And, and that, was, that was just difficult for me. It was hard for me. I, I thought God had abandoned me and, and rejected me and... And, 
and, you know, reflecting on that now, I realize that was not the case. I realized that God was with me in Joe Albertson's house, in, in Potiphar's house. God was with me in that. And, and in fact, he was still working on me in, in some sorts of ways. And, and so here's what Joseph learned. And I will tell you from my own experience, this is what I learned when I ended up in Potiphar's house. And that is this. Despite this deep disappointment with God and setbacks in life, Jesus, Joseph and Craig grew personally and spiritually. There are some things God can teach you in Potiphar's house that we are not open to hearing any other place. There are some things you can learn in those moments, in those difficult places when it seems to go hard. And, 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 and he's working hard. All of a sudden this Joseph this, that was this spoiled brat has become a hard worker. Not only that, he's become a leader of men. He's over the household. He's developed a high level of excellence. The tattletale has developed excellence. Instead of being an impulsive, spoiled brat, we now have this strong and mature man of God who's concerned with righteousness. We're going to see that, that later on. And, and, and so I, I think there's just great value for us in, in, in Potiphar's house or Albertson's house or fill in the blank for wherever it is if God has got you a little off track in life or, or if God doesn't quite do it the way you think God should do it, that God is at work in, in the midst of this. In, in fact, consider this. What if... What if God is preparing you, not punishing you? Boy, it took me a long time to get to this. Because for a long time, I thought God was punishing me. I thought, Lord, what are you doing in my life? Why, why have you got me? What, what is this? But, but what if God is preparing you? What if the, the skills you need to, to fulfill what he wants you to do are the things that he's working and developing in you right now? I can tell you this. Had I not spent a decade and a half in the grocery business, I would pastor very, very differently than I do now. I am so thankful for that. And honestly, you should be thankful for that too. Okay? You got a much improved pastor because God sent me off to Joe Albertson's house to, to that place. And we just have a tendency to think that everything should happen so fast and be so direct. One of the great things I said when we were doing this series of Moses, everything that Moses did that mattered for God happened in the last third of his life. What if God's preparing us for something bigger? What if, if Potiphar's house is really God's university? I mean, it's really hard for me to think of Albertson's as God's university, okay? But honestly, in my life it was. It was that thing where God changed everything and, and taught me so many things and business skills and, and working with difficult people and struggling with bosses and, and all of things. There, there are, what if you, are, you and I are resisting with all of our strengths the very things God wants to teach us? Because we're so mad at God because he's got us in Potiphar's house instead of in the place that we want to be. So, how about this? Despite deep disappointment with God, Joseph exercised his gifts for good. I love this. Because you know what my temptation is when I'm mad at somebody or I'm mad at God? Well, huh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just backing away. I got good. I could really help you and fix this and take care of this, but I'm not doing it because I'm mad at you because you didn't do what I wanted you to do. Am I the only one that's ever felt like that? You're all looking at me like, you know, but Joseph didn't do that. Joseph used his gifts. He, he went to work in that difficult situation. I would have loved to have been there in that moment when he lands in Pot the bottom of Potiphar's chain of command in his house. This young teenage boy. And when, when Joshua, Joseph finally said, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. 
I'm going to do my best. No matter what's going on, I'm going to, in Potiphar's house, I'm going to do my best. And that's what caused him to rise to the very top. Grow where you are planted. I hate all those little corny kind of sayings they have. Grow where you are planted. If God gives you lemons, make lemonade, all of that. Sappy, silly kinds of sayings. But they have a truth in them. That wherever God puts you, in your Potiphar's house, he wants to use you. There's so much that he could have done to just reject that. I love this. This is the whole front part of the Joseph story that people just leave out about him. And so let me put it this way. I believe God wants to bless and grow you while you were in Potiphar's house. God wants to bless and grow you while you were in Potiphar's house. Somebody say amen here. God wants to bless and grow you while you were in Potiphar's house. Yeah, you, you, this may not be your permanent place, but it is not wasted time that God does in our lives. He does not waste that time. Just because you can't see God working doesn't mean he isn't at work. Amen? He's always at work in our lives. In fact, it encouraged me that it is somewhat arrogant to assume that because we can't see God working, he may not be working. Right? That's, that's kind of hubris on our part. I mean, did your kids always know everything you did for them? No, they didn't. When they're at bed taking a nap and you're still working long hours to support them, they had no idea and they didn't appreciate it either, amen? I think it works the same way with God. God is always at work in ways that we don't understand. Let go of what you think God should be doing and let God work in this place now. Let God work in Potiphar's house, in the place where you don't want to be and where you don't want to do. You may be amazed. God may be preparing you to rule Egypt. Or maybe not, but, but God has something in all of that. Of course, the end of this story, you all know, this is the part that everybody focuses on. So I just kind of want to read through the end of this story uh, real quickly and jump through. I'm jumping through it. Uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about it a, a little bit. It, it's, a, it's an important story. So uh, it starts out, um, now Joseph was a well-built and handsome, uh, and now Joseph was well-built and handsome. Dun, da, dun, dun, okay. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. And although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. So you begin to see the integrity, right? So now, not only will he not give, he's, he's trying to avoid it. He's, trying, he's doing everything in his power to get out of this situation, okay? My master has withheld nothing from me, Joseph speaking, except you because you are his wife. How then could I such, do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So he's, the righteousness component has now taken place in him. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties. Okay, he's not just goofing around. He's doing the work. And none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Do you remember the importance of cloaks and clothing? So now she has stripped him of that, and that's the way it's going to play out. It goes on to say, when she saw what, that he had left the cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought into our house to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak behind and ran out of the house. When the master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. 
Poor old Joseph. Every story ends with him back in jail again. He ends up in a hole. He ends up in slavery. He ends up in jail in, in the midst of all of this. And then there's a part of me that wants to, uh, just a sarcastic part of me, wants to say at the end of this, and they lived happily ever after, you know? And that was the way it was for him. He, he did the right thing, and he still got a bad thing that happened to him. Anybody else have sympathy with this? Anyone else done the, wrong, the right thing and had a wrong thing happen to you? I mean, it's one thing when we do a bad thing and a bad thing happens to us. We go, yeah, part of that's on me. But, that, but none of that was here. He did the right thing. He was righteous. He worked hard. He blessed his matter. He did, master. He did everything he could. And I wish there was an answer to this story right here. So I want to call you back to the thing I've been reminding you about again and again. And that is this. God was not done writing Joseph's story. And God is not done writing your story. Amen? I don't care how old you are or how young you are or where you're at. God is not done writing the story. And we have a tendency to want to give up before God's done, you know? It's like reading a mystery all the way up to the last page and then not reading the last page. That makes no sense. And that's what it is with God's story, that, that he is not done with this. There are multiple setbacks. And just because there are multiple setbacks does not mean God has lost control. Amen? I mean, we have one setback and we think we suffer for Jesus. Oh, you know. Joseph's got setback after setback. And these are big things that happened to him. And yet he remained faithful. In fact, at this point, years are going by. He is getting through the prime of his life. And God has not, God has not fulfilled the promise. In fact, he spent time in slavery and they spent time in prison now. And, and so here, here's what I want you to hear about the story with Potiphar's wife in this. And that is, um, so let, before I, let me set this up. I was, I was listening to a, uh, a series on NPR about the hidden mind, and it was talking about how when we get wounded or when we feel like we've been treated unjustly or we feel like our boss has been bad to us, there's a psychological thing that goes on in our mind and we begin to justify bad behavior. It's, it's where employees will steal from somebody because I didn't get the raise, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. And there's, there's a psychology that goes on. And there can be a psychology like that that goes on in us sometimes in Christians when God seems to disappoint us. Well, I've been trying so hard to do the right thing. I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm going to do what I want to do now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my pleasure. Potiphar Weiss, she's pretty hot. She's pretty hot, you know. She really likes me. And, and so it would have been very easy for him to just justify it and say, listen, Lord, you left me as a slave in Egypt. I'm just going to do what feels good and it's, you know, keeps me out of trouble with everybody. But he didn't. So listen to this. Joseph could have compromised and spent the rest of his life as Potiphar's servant. See, the, the, the story is that, that even when you do the right thing and you get a bad outcome, that God is still working in the midst of that. But if you compromise, you blow up God's plan. I have no doubt that if he'd, he'd led into all of that, he, he probably would have, would have not, you know, not gone sent to jail, but, but he would have been broken by his sin. And, and he would have lived the rest of his life looking over his shoulder, hoping that Potiphar didn't find out about what was going on. And, and he, he would have just been the, an, another person or another story of compromise and brokenness. And so I, I want to say to all of you, and, and just, we live in a world that is filled with so much moral compromise. And I see it even in followers uh, of Jesus Christ. And it's often, well, God didn't and he didn't. So let me say this. Um, your integrity matters more than anything else. That's not a popular idea, but your integrity 
matters more than anything else. And at this stage in life, I've lived long enough to see this. In my position, um, people tell me the stories of what's going on in their life, and I bear the burdens, and I know the temptations, and I know where people have made compromises that had long-term consequences, and I know the stories where they held to the integrity and how God worked through all of this. And I have just really come to believe that over the long term, your integrity is one of the most important things you have in life. And so let me just say it real straightforward. Don't trade the pleasure of the moment for a lifetime of lying. A lifetime of lying. Lots of people talk about the guilt, you know. And that, that's true. People carry guilt. But you know, you know what? People who have who've really had sin in their life, and it's a sin that, that can't really be shared and, and can't be out there, they tell me some of the most difficult things is when their children will ask a question and they can't tell them the truth. So they have to break eye contact and tell them a lie because of a sin in their past. Something that went on, something about how this happened, something about don't, don't trade the pleasure of the moment for a lifetime of lying. Never do something that will make you lie for the rest of your life. This, that, that's what Joseph had was he had his integrity in all of this. He, 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 he could come away from that place and, 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 and be in that prison and know that it was there. So here, here's the way I say it like this over a lifetime. As the years go by, sin is a bitter companion, but integrity is sweet. Let me say it again. As the years go by, sin is a bitter companion, but integrity is sweet. One of the things that happened to me while I was in the grocery business was I got demoted. And I was, um, I was, I was the receiving clerk. Everything that came in and out of the, the store, very high-volume store, had to have my signature on it. We got a new manager. And the new manager knew that one of the ways you can make money is you claim stuff as damaged that's not. So you sell it at full price, then you get credit back from the warehouse. And the manager insisted that I sign some paper saying a whole pallet of stuff was damaged that was not. And it was a crisis for me because first he, brought, he sent a, you know, a flunky back to have me do it. And I said I wasn't going to do it. And so I went home. And then the next day he came back, you know. And then the next day he came back again. And then he demoted me. And, and I got to tell you, you know, the one thing I held on to in all of that, to this day I hold my head high, I did the right thing. Even though I got demoted, I did the right thing. And I can walk into that store today and look at some of those people and hold my head high. Integrity is a sweet companion over the years. Live with integrity like Joseph did. Don't do things that you have to lie about for the rest of your life. And that, that's the warning shot. The, 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 this is a story in contrast. There are several contrasts here that are going on. The first one is kind of the contrast uh, between, between the life of a slave who God raises up to this high position of power. What happens when you live with integrity and how God blesses that? And then there's a story about what happens when you don't have integrity with the story of Judah and Tamar and Joseph and Potiphar's wife. And for the rest of Judah's life, in fact, here we are thousands of years later still reading about the failure of Judah and the integrity of Joseph. Rabbi Zacharias says this, Sin will always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Sin will always take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. I turned 60 this few weeks ago. 
that statement is true. That statement is true. Live like Joseph, not like Judah. Amen? Let me pray for you. <coughs> Father God, Lord, I, I love Joseph. I love the smart-alecky boy that becomes a man of integrity, that does the right thing under difficult circumstances, that submits himself to learn, even in Potiphar's house. As I remember you making me submit in Albertson's house. And that ultimately, Father, when faced with great temptation, did the right thing, as opposed to his old, older brother Judah, who did not. Father, make us a people of integrity. Make us a people who are willing to learn when we're in the house of Potiphar, when in the place where we don't want to be, trusting that you have not finished writing the end of the story, Father. And then, Lord, protect us from sins that would blow our lives up and change the course permanently. We love you and we thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.